Good evening, Passion Youth. So, <clears throat> that video, I just can't, I can't help but think about how many young people I've watched do that. And that was just if you didn't pick up on the story of the prodigal son. As I was preparing for this message, I didn't know what to say to you guys, but this one thing I want to leave with you tonight is that it doesn't have to be this way. It can be God's way. It doesn't have to be that way. It's, it can be God's way. If you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 15, I want to kind of retell the story for a few minutes for those that don't know it. Jesus was talking to some Pharisees and tax collectors, I'm sorry, sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees were questioning why he was sitting with sinners, and he goes through several parables, and parables are stories that tell, tell a meaning, and as he's going through this, he talks about the lost sheep and the lost coin, and he tells the story of the lost son or the prodigal son. In Luke chapter number 15, it says, To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, a share. I want my share of the estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in, the, in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. And the young man became so hungry that even the pods that he was feeding the pigs with looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. And this is what caught me. When he finally came to his senses... When he finally woke up, when he finally woke up, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have good enough food, food good enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him, and his son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. In Luke chapter number 15, Jesus tells the story of the lost son to the Pharisees who were complaining that sinners and tax collectors were coming to hear his teaching. This story, along with other parables, illustrate God's great love toward all people and reminds his heart keeps coming after him. Young man, young woman, God's heart is going to chase you down. He's going to chase you down. He's going to give you every opportunity to make a choice. The title of my sermon tonight is The Choice You Make. The Choice You Make. This story reminds us that Jesus is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The story also reminds us that life is full of choices. 
choices are all around us. Those choices in the end will either bring life or death. And I have to tell you tonight, I really felt this in my spirit as I was preparing this afternoon. Some of you are at a crossroads tonight. You came to this camp, and you're at a crossroads in your life and in your walk with Christ. And tonight you have a choice to make. You have a decision to make. To go to the right or to the left. To do what is right or to do what is wrong. Please hear the warning I'm giving you tonight. And I called it a warning for a reason. I want you to see the signs. I want you to hear, see that red light going off saying, Mayday, Mayday, we're going down. Because it's that serious. Deuteronomy chapter number 30. This is where I get my title from tonight. What God imparted in my spirit. And this is, this is what he told Moses to tell to the Israelites before they walk into the promised land. Just to give you a little background. Deuteronomy 30 verse 11. This command I'm giving you. This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you. It is not beyond your reach, passion youth. This command I'm giving you today. It's not too difficult for you. God's way is not too difficult, young man, young woman. It's not too difficult. It's not beyond your reach. It is not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey. It is not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask who will cross the sea to bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey. No, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips. It is in your heart so that you can obey it. Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death. This is Deuteronomy 30. Do you have it? I'm sorry. Did I not send that? Today I'm giving you a choice. 30, 11 through 20. Candace, if you can get it. Now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep His commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in His ways. You might need to get down to like 15. I'll start right there. Now listen, you need to hear that again. Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods... If you're drawn away and you worship the sports and you're drawn away and you worship your cell phone and you worship all the things that can keep you from God, then I warn you, you now, that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing to the Jordan to occupy. Today I have given you the choice between life and and death between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness, and everybody read the next couple words, the, the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. 
You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God and obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land. And the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And just as the Israelites were given a choice to live for and obey God, we have been given a choice. We've been given a choice. Just as the prodigal son had a choice, we have a choice. We've been given a choice to believe in Jesus and live for him or deny him. As Pastor Payne and Pastor Josh has already said this week that God has a plan for your life. And Satan would like nothing more than to confuse you of your purpose on this earth. I come to tell you a purpose tonight. Your purpose is to glorify your heavenly Father. Glorify and bring glory in everything that you do. Many over the years have wondered, have studied, and have searched all over to find the reason for their existence. Why are we here? Some of you may have even asked, why, why, am, I, why, am, how, how, why am I born? What, what's the purpose? What's my life supposed to be? Let me tell you, you were created for God's glory. That is the truth. I need somebody to just amen that real quick. That is the truth. The, the enemy, the world will sell you a lie. And they will tell you you're supposed to get fame, you're supposed to get fortune, you're supposed to do good, get married, have kids, have a nice house, make sure you pay all your bills, and everything is good and grand, but that's not exactly it. It's to bring glory to God in everything that we do. That's the truth. And when you look around and see the sun and the moon and all the wonderful things on this earth, they were created for God's glory. But yet, God didn't give the stars and the moon a choice like he gave us a choice. See, they don't get to make the decision whether or not they're going to glorify. They just come up every day and they set. The sun sets, it rises in the east and it sets in the, anybody know? In the West, thank you. Somebody's been studying that. But God designed that. God designed the trees to grow and produce life and, 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 and oxygen for us. You look at the ground, it's, it's nice and green. Ever wondered why, why the sky is blue and all this? God made it that way. God made it to glorify him. But it doesn't have a choice like we do. It doesn't have a choice. It just gets to do that. But God gave us a choice whether we want to glorify him or not. Romans 3, 23 through 26. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We all fall short of the glory of God. Even if you're living for Christ, you've fallen short of God's glory. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sin. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And this sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. 
for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this so he can demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Somebody say, believe in Jesus. Somebody say, I've got a choice. So why did God give us a choice? If he created us for his glory, why didn't he just make robots to do what he wanted? Why are we not walking around just doing whatever he tells us, like a puppet on a string? Because he loves us, and he's given us a choice. God loves us so much that he gave us the freedom of our will, and we get to choose whether or not we want to glorify him. And I choose, I choose to glorify him. I choose life. I don't know how to explain all the whys in this life, but I do know that the creator of heaven and earth has given us a choice to glorify him with our lives. And oh, that we would choose life. Oh, that we would choose life. We would choose God's way. It's so much better. It's so much better. It's so much better. I was reading about the Great Awakenings, and I was reading about the first Great Awakening. Who's ever heard of the Great Awakening in America? You probably you may have talked about that in school, maybe not, but they need to. Probably taking it out by now. The Great Awakenings was a time early on when 1700s, somebody said the Declaration of Independence in 1776, it was shortly before that, uh, not eight, 1986, whatever that was, but. This was before the mid-1700s and the American Revolution. Uh, as you know, the pilgrims came over from England, and pilgrims were on fire for God. They loved God. I mean, that was all. But the, during this time of, of right before the American Revolution, that had died down. I began to read about this, and I'm just curious what was going on. And, and the articles that I read just said that... Um, I'll just, I'll just let me just give you a couple. Before the Great Awakening, there was said that the belief in in the young nations were starting to change. One of the articles said that the fiery religious spirit the Pilgrims had begun died down, and communities began to flourish, and a sense of distinct religious identity had diminished. Something called the Age of Enlightenment had begun in Europe and began to sweep into the young American colonies. And during this age, some challenged the Christian belief and even the Bible, stating. A belief in God or a higher power. So they believed in God and a higher power, but they did not believe in Jesus, his son. They believed that was a fairy tale. And they began to show reasons why. And, and you can go and read about this age of enlightenment. And a lot of people will call it deism. And it just believes in a higher power, but not Christianity. And so a lot of confusion began to happen. And many focused on the observation of the natural world without the need for faith or any organized religion. And I began to read that, and I'm like, man, sounds like it continued and gotten worse. You look across, and what we're taking out is prayer in schools, and God we trust, and all the things that the pilgrims once had. We're, we're going, we're, we've enlightened ourselves, and somehow we know more than God. And as I researched this, I just began to think, my goodness. 
the enemy sang a lullaby and rocked many Christians to sleep during that time. I couldn't help but think about our world today. Many professing Christians are under the sway of the wicked one and the ideals of this world. Many are being sung to sleep by a false lullaby. Just as Samson was lulled to sleep by Delilah, Christians are being sung to sleep by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life, or even in some cases the natural world or scientific evidence, and and going so far in left field they don't even recognize the creator of heaven and earth anymore. Even our own government is trying now to normalize what the Bible calls sin. You say sin in a church house today, most churches... That's, you know, it's starting to become taboo. We don't, we don't sin. I mean, you, you've, God set you free from sin, and they okay. Oh, it's okay to sin. Be who you are. Do what you want, but never turn from sin. That's, that's not the right gospel, guys. The gospel is that Jesus came to save us from our sin, and that our sin is going to send us to a place called? That's the truth. And you need to know that. You need to be prepared as young men, young women that know that sin is a place I don't go. It's a choice I don't need to make, and I need to stay away from it. Jonathan Edwards was a pastor in Connecticut, was one of the most well-known preachers during the Great Awakening, and one of his most famous sermons was titled, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. How many heard that sermon before or, or heard about that title? You've heard that before. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God is arguably one of the most famous sermons ever preached in America. In the sermon, Jonathan verbally painted this picture of the only thing holding us from the wrath of hell is God's hands. I was like, wow. You preach that today? And people going crazy on media talking about hellfire, brimstone, they don't love nobody. They, Guys, hell is real. It's not a fairy tale. And I didn't come to preach about hell, but you know what? You need to know. Hell is real. And if we continue in our sin, we get to join Satan and his angels with them in hell. I'm going to read some of this this sermon to you. This stuff you just don't hear anymore. The use, this is just a little excerpt, the use of this awful subject may be for awakening unconverted persons in this congregation. This is what Jonathan Edwards is saying in his message. This that you have heard is the case of every one of you that are out of Christ. That, hold on, give me a second, guys. That world of misery, the lake of burning brimstone, is extended abroad under you. There is a dreadful pit of the glowing flames of the wrath of God. There's a hell's wide gaping mouth open and you have nothing to stand on, nor anything to take hold of. There is nothing between you and hell but the air. It is, the on, it is only the power and mere pleasure of God that holds you up. You, are probably, you probably are not sensible of this. You find you are kept out of hell but do not see the hand of God in it. But look at other things. As the good state of your bodily constitution, you, your care of your own life and the means you use for your own preservation. Now, I know it's a lot of big words, so I'm going to explain just for a second, okay? So, 
what you do and think and what you think is right about your life and the way you should be going about it. How you care for your life or the way you live your life and the means you take to preserve your life. I'm going to continue. But, he, but indeed, these things are nothing. If God should withdraw his hand, that would no avail no mere to, they would no avail no more to keep you from falling than the thin air to hold up a person that is suspended in it. Just imagine God's hand holding you. That is the only thing holding you over the pits of hell is what he's saying. And you got to think, wow, man, you could take that and twist that and say, man, this guy's crazy. But the imagery is just so, I just can't even fathom just thinking about that's reality, guys. God is holding us in the palm of his hand. And when you allow yourself to be detached from God, you're headed down a road, down destruction's road that Hannah was talking about earlier this week. I'm going to continue with what Jonathan said, Jonathan Edwards. You had need to consider yourself and awake thoroughly out of sleep. Come on, somebody. You cannot bear the fierceness and the wrath of an infinite God. And you, young men and young women, will you neglect this precious season which you now enjoy when so many others of your age are renouncing all useful vanities and are flocking to Christ? Some of you this week have laid it down. I'll tell you that. I've seen it. I've watched it. Service after service, you're, you're praying. But there's some of you that are holding back. You're holding back. You're at a crossroads. And Jonathan Edwards, if he was here tonight, he's preaching to you. You especially have now an extraordinary opportunity, but if you neglect it, it will soon be with you as with those persons who spent all the precious days of youth in sin and are now come to such a dreadful pass in blindness and hardness. And you, children who are unconverted, do not you know that you are going down to hell to bear the dreadful wrath of God who is now angry with you every day and every night? Will you be content to be the children of the devil when so many other children in the land are converted and become the holy and happy children of the King of Kings? See, God is not pleased when we're acting like the devil. When we're letting the devil dictate what our life is like, God is not pleased. And God is angry at sin He's angry at the devil, and he doesn't want you in that loop. He don't want you a part of that crowd. Hell was not meant for you, young person. Hell was not meant for you. But the only thing holding us from it is God's hand, his mighty hand. And if you don't allow him to change your heart, if you don't believe upon Jesus, I'm sorry, but there's a destruction coming. I know this is heavy, but I'm sorry. i got to get your attention. There's a warning tonight. And let every one of you that is yet out of Christ, this is what Jonathan said, not me, and let everyone that is yet out of Christ and hanging over the pit of hell, whether they be old men or women or middle-aged or young people or little children, now hearken to the loud calls of God's word and providence. Service after service this week, I've heard God's mercy 
and God's love and the call to come out of sin, to get your life in order, to run the race of endurance, to be devoted. The choice is yours tonight. It's been set before you. Do you choose life or do you choose death? Over the years, many have laughed and ridiculed this sermon as a fire and brimstone message that only cultivates hate for people and not the love of God. They laugh it off and say it's not true. But I have to, I wish Jonathan Edwards was here to tell you. I wondered what he would say to all of us tonight. I wonder what Paul, the Apostle Paul, would come and tell the young persons at Awaken. I wonder what Jesus Christ would say about the way we act and treat other people. The love we have. See, we call ourselves Christians, but Christians mean to be Christ-like. And I have to challenge all of us in the room. There are times where we allow ourselves not to act like Christ. We make a choice not to be like our Savior. We make a choice of sin. We make a choice to go down the broad road and not stay on the narrow path. I don't hear no amens. See, what actually happened when Jonathan Edwards preached that message, God's spirit began to move because people were convicted of their sin and they repented. Sin keeps us from His glory. The choice they made was to fall before God and repent. They made a choice to live for God and thousands and thousands began to awaken from their spiritual slumber. Oh, that you, young person, would choose life. Oh, that you would realize our sin is great and it keeps us from the glory of our Savior. Romans eleven twenty two. Notice how God is both kind and severe. See, the love of God, His heart is coming after you. And he is going to chase you down, but he's also severe. He also requires that we would lay our life down before him. And that we would run and we would flee sin with all of our might. We wouldn't allow ourselves just to go there. He is severe toward those who disobeyed, but kind to you who continue to trust in his kindness. So much better your way, Lord. But if you stop trusting, you will be cut off. Romans 2 and 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? See, God's love, God's kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. I think the problem nowadays is that you know, we're always asking, what, what, I can, what can I do as a Christian? Why don't we start asking the question, what, what does God want me to do? <laughs> I know this is an old uh, bracelet, and I wish I would have thought of this earlier. It just kind of came to me. But who's heard of the what would Jesus do? That's kind of been, you know, used for some several years now. But really, I ask, would Jesus be involved in this conversation I'm having? right now about this person I'm gossiping about? Would Jesus be putting his eyes on this screen that I've allowed myself to be in front of? Y'all want to hear this, do you? Okay. Would Jesus wear this pair of shorts? Is this holy? Would he look at it and call it beautiful? 
Come on, guys. Come on, girls. We got to go to another level in our love for the Savior. He's given us a choice tonight, a choice of holiness. He wants a holy people, a holy bride who hadn't been sleeping around, excuse me, with others, who hadn't been giving themselves to other gods and idols in your life. There's a choice you got to make. Do you want life or do you want death? There's a choice. We need a personal awakening tonight. One of the scriptures in Ephesians, Awake, O sleeper, I'm going to read it in just a minute, and Christ will give you light. We need a personal awakening. I don't know if there will ever be another great awakening, and I pray that it is, and I pray it starts right here. But you know what? Before any of that happens, it's got to start with me. Everybody point to yourself. It starts with me. It starts with me. A personal awakening. you got to wake up. You gotta wake up and smell what God's cooking. He wants something good in your life, but you keep smelling on the on the bad stuff. You keep walking down the road that He don't want you to walk down. You keep making the choices that He doesn't want you to make, and you keep taking the pen out of His hand. I love that, and writing your own little story when He wants so much better for you. Amen. That somebody, come on. Some of you allowed the enemy to sing you a sweet lullaby. He wants nothing more than to keep you oblivious from eternity. When the lost son had enough of the pig pen, he he came to his senses and he went back to the father's house. Some of you may not necessarily have been a prodigal son yet. Maybe you've been in church all your life, but you've been just going through the motions. And the same thing applies to you. You need to wake up and come to your senses. And come to the Father and get real with Him. He woke up. He realized his need for the Father. My prayer tonight is if you don't know Jesus, you would fall before Him and give all of your life to Him. Every area. Every area. I pray you choose life. Paul told us to the Ephesians Ephesians chapter number 5, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, a coarse joke. These are not for you. You need to stay away from that. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. 
Don't participate in things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and true, right and true. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful to even talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. If you're talking about somebody that's doing something that's not saved, you know what you need to be doing instead of talking about people? You need to be praying for them. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness instead expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. And this is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See, this light we've been talking about, you waking up to this week, those memory verses that you learned about a Waco sleeper and Christ will give you light is much more than just learning this scripture. It's more than you just getting the light for yourself. It's about shining that light in a dark, dark world. So I'm going to shift gears for a minute here. You make a choice to live for God or not. But you also make a choice to share God or not. Come on, somebody. Come on, we're in the house and we're getting fed and we loving on God. We love our friends. But you know what? We ain't praying for the sinner that needs Jesus. And they don't realize that God is not pleased with that. But yet we're, we're too afraid to tell them because, you know, they're going to think we're crazy. And God forbid somebody come up and get saved, Pastor Josh, and you know what? Oh, yeah, great. Oh, yeah, we all clap, and then we walk out, and we don't, we don't ever follow up with a person and rejoice that their name has been written in the Lamb's Book of Life. No, we don't make a big deal like we need to out of that. Come on, all of heaven begins to shout and dance when somebody gets saved here on earth. We ought to get excited, too. It's a choice, though. It's a choice. It's a choice. What choice are you going to make tonight? Will you choose life? Will you choose Jesus? Will you choose a life of obedience? Will you choose the light or will you choose the darkness? Will you awaken and let Christ give you light? Romans 10, 5 through 14. It says, For Moses writes the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its command. But faith's way of getting right with God says, Don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says the message... This is what Deuteronomy said a while ago. The message is very close at hand. It is on your lips. It is in your heart. And the message is very clear about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have had the same Lord who gives us gener generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the Lord, name of the Lord, shall be. Paul goes on to say in verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? 
And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless what? Passion youth. If you're going to live up to passion, as Pastor Josh said, if you're going to put on the mantle, you need to shine a light. You need to wake up. Wake up. The world, the riches, and the pleasures are sending you into a deep, deep sleep. And that's where the enemy wants you. Cowering down in your, I'm too young. I'm too this. I'm too that. The enemy is going to tell you, I'm too this and I'm not enough this. The enemy is going to lie to you. It is a lie. He is the father of lies. See, revivals like the Great Awakening, you know where it started? Anybody want to guess? Young people. Wasn't the old people. Lots of revivals. You could read about it. Young people would come and they'd give their life to Christ. They'd repent of their sin. And then they'd share that faith. Young people. Young people. It didn't it, look at jo, Josiah, eight years old, running the kingdom. David. I don't even know how old he was, but young. God anointed him. So many different things. That God's use young people for. So you don't have to wait to speak to some. Somebody has to tell their mom, their dad, brother, sister, aunt, uncle, friend. Who's going to tell them? Who's going to tell them about the light that's been put inside of you? And if you're living like the world, how is that shining a light? Come on, if you're just doing all you want and being sloppy, Caleb did an awesome job talking about order today. How is that shining a light? If you're not reading your Bible like Sam talked about today and praying and being devoted, young ladies, how are you going to shine a light? The enemy's singing you a song and you've fallen fast asleep. Who's going to warn them about the choice they're making? Who is going to do it? Some of us tonight have become real unconcerned when it comes to sharing our faith. We bottle it up. We keep this good news to ourselves and patiently wait for the return of the Lord. I'm good. I went to confess my sins. I feel better now. I'm good. I don't want to be the weird one. I, they won't listen to me. They won't care. These are all excuses of why we don't share our faith. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Don't keep the good news of Jesus to yourself. Don't allow the enemy to sing you to sleep with lies that you can't do anything for God. When you choose to live for him, you choose to tell others about this good news. The prodigal son made some bad choices. And then the father welcomed him back with open arms. Team, y'all can come on up. I'm going to finish up with this next part. What's real interesting to me, and I didn't include this in the video, is the rest of the story of the prodigal son. If you could put those verses up, Candace. Meanwhile, so the son came home and God's embraced him and his love is flowing and all that's happening. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. 
And when he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you've told me. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast for with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money and on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Put that last scripture up. You've always stayed by me. And everything I have is yours. Some of you have been in church your whole life. And you don't even realize what you got. Because you're looking in a direction of something you think is going to be more pleasing than what God can offer you. Stay in the house. Somebody say stay in the house. I'm tired of watching young men, young women, they go through a little season in their life, a little something, and, and just like this guy, they just get angry at the church. They get angry at the Father. And it didn't say he left, but I got to wonder, why would the older son be mad that someone came and was saved? And I'm not saying anybody here is like that, but what you are doing is that you're in the house, but you're not a part of the house. You can just go through the motions and do the work and come to church and serve and do all that stuff and say, well, God, you didn't throw me a party. And, and living for God's hard and living for God's this and living for God's that. I can't watch that. I can't watch this and this and that and all of this. And you know what God's saying? You have everything you need. Does that make sense? Come on, you need to stay in the house, dude. Young lady, you need to stay in the house. Quit looking for a boyfriend that's going to fulfill you because they're not. Guys, quit looking for girls that's going to fulfill you. You need to be courting one another, looking for the right woman, right man to marry. And if you're not courting to marry, you don't need to be courting at all. Changing that dating word to courting. Stand to your feet. I debated putting the part about the older brother inside, but I felt it was relevant tonight. The older brother are those Christians who make the choice to live on the sidelines. You're getting comfortable with your Christianity. And when someone comes to God for the first time, we don't even rejoice. We don't follow up with that person, and we get focused on ourselves. Now listen. If you have a passion for God, that passion... It's going to come out, right? And your light's going to shine. And everybody's going to know I belong to the one. I made a choice. Somebody say, I made a choice. I made a choice to live for the King of Kings. 
And that, my friends, is not a bad thing. That's a great thing. And we ought to be happy and content in that place. Somebody say, stay in the house. Stay in the house. God is calling a generation to realize, first, that our sin is great. And God is not pleased with sin. But second, there's a great commission that he needs us to fulfill, to go into all the world to tell the good news. We've lost our sense of urgency in sharing our faith. We don't even pray that God's love will be shed abroad in our family. We don't weep over our friends who don't live for God. Come on, if you are going to live up to your namesake, passion, youth, you need to get a burden upon your heart to at least pray for the people that are going to hell. You need to think of it like that. You don't need to dumb it down in any way. You need to really realize the, the, the eternity is at stake here. The reality is eternity is at stake. The seriousness of the, of the matter is here. And as so many speakers have said this week, God didn't just give us or save us to warm the seats at the church, but to bring all that we can to heaven with us. We're not called to be sitting in these pews. We're called to be going. And thank God for pews and thank God for buildings and thank God for a pastor and, and a place we can sit in the air conditioner. But you know what? If we were to go overseas, they ain't got that. They're running. They're hiding. And we don't know nothing about that. But yet we worry about, oh, what's on Instagram and what they said about me and, and this girl and that girl. And we, we ain't even on that level of thinking about what God needs from us. God's got a call upon your life. And you need to answer. There's a choice to make. Will you choose life or will you choose death? Passion Youth, we need to awaken to the plan and purpose for your life and quit sitting on the sidelines.